and welcome to this week's episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN World Live. I am your host, Jessica, and if you are live watching with us right now, you'll notice I have not one, not two, but three guests here from Sandy Pug Games. Thank you so much, folks, for coming to join us. So, Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. So uh, I will go through and introduce yeah, you all individually because you all have interesting backgrounds in TTRPGs to, to talk and share about and all the different things you do at Sandy Pug Games. Um, but this week we are talking about Monster Care Squad. If you are watching live, please do get involved in the chat. Ask any questions. Uh, hello. Great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, any links to things we talk about will be in the show notes for you to listen to. Um, so before we get into it and talk about Monster Care Squad, again, I'm very excited to be learning more about. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you at Sandy Pug Games and what you do. So, Jan, shall we start with you? Uh, sure. What do you do at Sandy Pug Games? I do a little of everything, actually. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'm the red mage of the group. Actually, honestly, a lot of us do a little of everything. Um, uh -huh. The Kind of the beauty of a small team that's co-op mm -hmm. is we all, you know, we, we pull our weight where we can uh, and sometimes where we can't as well. Um, <laughs> but primarily I'm a writer, uh, on mm -hmm. the team. Um, I do a little bit of graphics here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, but primarily I, I'm, I'd say I'm a writer on the team. Fantastic. And oh, I guess I do a lot of the marketing as well. Um, okay. I just kind of forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you just do kind of a little bit of everything as every yeah. indie TTRPG publisher ever does. Also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Gabriel, uh, also same question to you. What is it that you do at Sandy Pug Games, apart from a little bit of everything, obviously? The main thing I do at Sandy Pug Games is the main thing I was invited to do, which is write. And one of my favorite things in tabletop role-playing games is those little prose interstitial bits and mm -hmm. uh, examples of play bits in, in games. Um, so I was, I was lucky enough to get um, invited way back when to do that on um, Americana, and I got to do it again on Monster Care Squad, mm -hmm. as well as uh, write and uh, come up with some of the monsters. Fantastic, which I'm so excited to dig in and talk about because that is the weird and wonderful in this book. Um, but, and also, JN, thank you for coming on. Uh, same question to you. Uh, what is it you do at Sandy Pug Games? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, mainly at Sandy Pugs, at Sandy Pug, I do art. Um, so I'm an illustrator. Um, uh, but uh, kind of similar to everyone, like the cool thing about a co-op is we all kind of jump in on stuff with whatever we are feeling passionate about working on at the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I don't really write for the co-op, but I love mm -hmm. putting in ideas for things and then mm -hmm. seeing everyone else kind of flesh that out whenever we're brainstorming stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, our, our Discord where we like talk through ideas is one of the funnest places ever because <laughs> yes. uh, just like the, the way that everybody's uh, willing to dive deep into the most absurd ideas and you know you start out with something that seems so like we can never do this and then <laughs> you know half an hour later we're like well this is the core thing of the next game we're doing so um amazing yeah so that's that's a lot of fun and then you know getting to do other stuff besides just visual art um mm -hmm. uh, jan as well um we both uh do music for um, mm -hmm. whether it's like promo or you know um, you know Jan got to do a full uh, album for Monster Care Squad, which is super sick, um, amazing and beautiful. So um, yeah, 
Awesome. That's that's really cool. So it sounds like a really cool uh, team of people I get to interview. It's so nice to have a team of people because sometimes I have just one person, but I love seeing uh, how publishing teams, because uh, making TTRPGs is such a collaborative process a lot of the time. So I love having an interviews with a team of people because I get to see the dynamic and and, and how it all works. So, uh, so I'm super excited to have you all on. Um, my next question is very nosy and purely just because I like talking about games. I like talking about people's history and, and background with TTRPGs. Um, so I generally ask, like, what was your first memory of, of playing a role-playing game or some influential you know, games you had as, as a player before you started working in the industry? So I'll, I'll start uh, with Gabriel this time because uh, I'll go a different route round. So, Gabriel, what was the first TTRPG you remember playing? Um, so... Okay, so Jay Dragon has this essay where uh, she talks about how playing pretend is the first RPG that you wind up doing. And I think I got into RPGs because I never really wanted to stop playing pretend. It's how I got into uh, community theater as well. Mm -hmm. I think when I finally um, got into something where dice adjudicated uh, for our yeah. playing pretend decisions, it was uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. But um, now that I've come to think about RPGs that way, it, it, it's honestly like no, I've I, I never wanted to stop playing pretend. Whether it was with uh, stuffed animals mm -hmm. or I was a big Bionicle fan, and I was constantly um, mm -hmm. I was constantly inviting friends over mm -hmm. um, to play with those for hours at a time. Um, and I gotta say, um, I, I don't think anything has hit the sweet spot that playing with Legos did. <laughs> So that tactile sort of game, fantastic. I love, I do love that approach. Yeah, I think Jay Dragon's article on that was fantastic talking about, yeah, is playing pretend because that's 100% how I feel. And I am also a theatre kid as well, got into it that way. So I'm glad to see, I mean, good company here. Uh, Jay, and how about, how about you? Um, so I think my first like uh, official game is kind of similar to Gabriel. Uh, I, I came in when I was in high school to, um, uh, D and D three point um, mm -hmm. and uh, but even that, like uh, I I you know played on weekends with friends, but uh, I got into it mostly because I loved the art in the books, um, mm -hmm. and I was just like I want to somehow live in this art. Like if this yeah. game gives me an excuse to do that, and I pretty much spent most of the sessions just like flipping through pages and then figuring mm -hmm. out like uh how how does this become the game um and that's kind of, honestly kind of what i approach a lot of games with now mm -hmm. I, I come into stuff, a lot of things art first which is yeah probably not a big surprise for an artist but um <laughs> yeah I, that, I guess that was the first thing yeah it definitely shows in the game i was saying because monster care squad is beautiful it's it's a stunning book as well. So and I think the art also captures the vibe and the feeling of the game really nicely as well. And so I think art is really important in TTRPGs because it, it it introduces you to the mood and the tone of the game and can help create that. So I, I think it's really For interesting sure. that you bring that out. Yeah, and I'll, I'll um, uh, clarify too that um, I was not the main artist on Monster Care Squad. Mm -hmm. um, that was uh, Leafy, um, who mm -hmm. yeah just did like a phenomenal job setting the tone for the book mm -hmm. and really doing something um, uh, just immediately uh, uh, unique and and, and uh, obvious as something belonging to that world. So 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to trying to give you credit for no, it. No, and no, obviously you through the whole book yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. So thank thank you for clarifying yeah, that. To make sure that everybody <laughs> So we don't get angry too. letters after the stream saying, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? But yeah. Um yeah. Uh, but Jan, also to to bring the question back to you as well. So what was your what was your uh, you know entry to TTRPGs? When were you first starting playing? Um it, I guess it depends. Uh, I think okay. this counts, but uh, okay. people maybe disagree with me. My mm -hmm. first TTRPG was Freeway Fighter by okay. Ian Livingstone. It was like one of those old fighting fantasy books, distinct, legally distinct from Choose Your Own Adventure. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't imply they were the same, no? <laughs> Um, and yeah, uh, it was that, it, it was one of those books. I'm not 100% sure it was Freeway Fighter, but I think that was the one. Um, and uh, obviously you play these books alone, but mm -hmm. I I really had liked Choose Your Own Adventure books in the past. Yeah. These ones just went a little bit further and they introduced like dice and inventory mm -hmm. and like, you know, armor and weapons and stuff like that. Yeah. And my mind just like, and it changed everything for me. I like, mm -hmm. I those books constantly i made them into my own games all the time so i was like mm -hmm. yeah, you know this is cool but what if it wasn't fighting what if it was something cooler than fighting um, mm -hmm. and thus uh began my long history of trying to cram fishing into every game <laughs> <laughs> well um, it, it works in stardew valley so why not other games yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i think that's such a rad call out interactive fiction like that was yeah. huge for me too i love those books like mm -hmm. whether it was Goosebumps, the the legally distinct choose your own adventure books, uh, or you know, just I don't know, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like that that's sort of like the first intro to solo TTRPG play. Mm -hmm. I um, your fate, Indiana Jones was my first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, if if uh, the, the the watchers at home uh, disagree with this game counting as a TTRPG. Then my first uh, actual TTRPG in a social setting was Shadowrun. Mm. Oh, um, wow, okay. A yeah. dear friend of mine, uh, Trez, Trez underscore makes underscore art at Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, also a wonderful artist. Mm -hmm. um, they actually were my first GM and introduced me to TTRPGs proper through Shadowrun. I played a mm -hmm. street samurai who put all of his points into bonsai. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was not very useful to the team, but I had a lot of fun spritzing my, <laughs> my little plants all the time. They're the best characters, though, where you just pick a character element and you run with it. You're like, they're not going to be useful, but they're an interesting person, and I want to know what their story is about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so absolutely. And I think you're the first person that says Shadowrun is their first TTRPG as well. So an award yeah, for you on that. Completely accidental. I had read D and D, but I'd never mm -hmm. played it. I just like you know, friends had the books, and I'd be like, "This is cool. I don't know what this is, but I like all the tables and stuff." Um, yeah, yeah. And then I that's later cool. got to actually play some, and I was like, "This is the best thing that's ever happened." <laughs> Fantastic. So it it sounds like you were all you know growing up, it's sitting in your rooms playing the choose your own adventure games or legally distinct versions of that. It sounds like. <laughs> so how did you become? Uh, a, how did Sandy Pug Games come about? How did you become a, a, a team of people working together to create games? Um, so uh, Nem was um, and and can can definitely she can talk more about that in the uh, comments to this stream okay. um, if you'd like. But um, Nem um, had been uh, solo designing um, for a while now, and um, 
she uh, brought me on board uh, for um, a one-page uh, sort of one-joke role-playing game uh, called Orc Stabber, uh, a game made by orcs for orcs. Um, and um, that um, that completed the uh, $20 funding goal on Kickstarter because it <laughs> yeah. had the, um, it, it was unscope creepable. It was uh, one piece of paper that we would put in an envelope and mail to people. And I think we had a slightly lower tier where we ripped the piece of paper in half <laughs> and then uh, sent that to people. Um, so Amazing. it was perfect. It was the perfect way uh, to figure out how to um, self-publish goods. And then um, there was Americana after that. And uh, then Nem actually um, helped uh, put together a, uh, a different co-op, uh, the San Gennaro co-op. I think, I think they might be going by a different name um, right now, um, but they put together, um, through that, um, she, uh, put together the role player's guide to heists. And I think, um, next she was like, all right, well, felt really good to have a big group of people. Let's, uh, do that again. And then the first, uh, yeah, they're the far horizons co-op now. And then, um, and then the, the first book that, uh, was really, um, a full, uh, co-op book, uh, was Monster Care Squad. And to be clear, um, I don't think any of us had any idea um, how incredibly um, big it would be. It was, mm -hmm. it was meant to be um, sort of a smaller PDF around uh, 40 pages, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you remember what the environment was like during the summer of 2020, but suddenly a lot of people were indoors. Um, Can't remember why, but yeah. I remember it being a yeah. thing vaguely. Something happened to make that happen. And then simultaneously, and I don't know how um, discourse uh, waves work on, on the internet. I know I look like a very online person, but I'm really not as online as all that. But I know the same conversations tend to happen over and over again, so I'm not going to pretend this is the first time. But um, there was a relatively big discussion on TTRPG Twitter about um, what you can do in these things. And mm -hmm. uh, we all love violence in our tabletop role-playing games, um, as evidenced sure. by our past history with tabletop role-playing games and the swords that you can put in your hands and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, because people were suddenly asking questions about uh, what different kind of things you could do, I, I, think, I think that got us curious about, uh, about seeing how you could solve the problem or, or, mm -hmm. or seeing what it would be like um, to not be to not be one of those guys killing a monster, but more like uh, Gecko from Mushishi, um, who's like wandering from village to village, and he's so cool. And no one's like, why doesn't Gecko have a sword? Um, he's uh, to to be um, these uh, wandering experts that go in and find a problem that's entirely localized uh, to this this interesting community of people. Um, who have a relationship um, with um, with this creature? In, in the case of uh, Mushishi, I think it was ghosts, but mm -hmm. um, just sort of having um, a, a, a mystery on our hands, where it was a different problem every time and a different solution to solve the problem. Well, that segues us really nicely into talking about Monster Care Squad. Uh, so I'll stop grilling you about your personal experiences with TTRPGs and, and, and your careers and stuff. And, and and let's talk about this game. So so Jay or Jan, I don't know if, if one of you two wants to take this, but what's like the pitch for Monster Care Squad? What's How do you introduce it to people that haven't heard of it before? <laughs> 
I don't know. Uh, Jan, do you want to take this one? Should I take it? Uh, I, I'll, I'll let you or Gabriel take this one since okay. I wasn't in on the ground um, floor with Monster Care Squad. Okay. I usually pitch the game. I kind of just, I, I, I almost uh, lowball it and I just say it's a game about being nice to monsters, I guess. Nice. <laughs> Even though that's yes. like an oversimplification of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I could. Sometimes I'll go a little bit more into depth about the, the setting and stuff like that. For, for mm -hmm. this game, I feel like the setting is really the, the Kinder Surprise toy inside. Okay. I don't want to give them those details because that's the toy they get to, to open and assemble when they get in there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that the setting and like the world that uh, Nem and crew have built is really the, the, the real toy in Monster Care Squad. Not to like, uh, you know, say the mechanics and stuff aren't interesting. It's just like mm -hmm. what what I want people to come away from is just, I want them to leave and feel like they really were there for a bit, just a minute, mm -hmm. you know, I was there for a minute. Um, and that's kind of how I pitch it. It's like a world where you will be able to jump in there and feel like you're part of like mm -hmm. this wild universe, very Ghibli-esque kind of, you know, secret of mana-esque maybe all these like giant, fantastic creatures. Um, yeah. That's, that's usually my pitch is, have you ever wanted to hang out with giant monsters and pet them? Because here, here you can. I think, actually, uh, yeah, most players want to do that. But yeah, Jan. I was just going to say, actually, maybe I, maybe I can give a little bit of perspective on what I think the pitch is. Because yeah. I, since I actually came to Monster Care Squad later, the game had already had a super successful Kickstarter. And as a result of that, um, the co-op, and, and we can talk about this, maybe get more into it later, Co-op mm -hmm. came up with this idea for a grant program um, with a lot of the money that, uh, you know, the co-op wasn't expecting to come in through this. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a, a, my friend Lirio um, who knew I was not super happy with what I was doing with commissions for things on DMs Guild and, and doing some other D&D products here and there that it just like, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was fitting in with, with, that at the time uh, gave me a heads up that this grant was open mm -hmm. and I went and checked it out. So my first impression of, of uh, Monster Care Squad, not knowing anything about it, but seeing like, oh, maybe this grant program is, is something I can hop into, um, was that it, there was this like gorgeous world where you had these monsters of all different varieties that were in pain, um, that were infected with this um, unknown, uh, 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 parasite of a sort and mm -hmm. and you went around with your friends helping them trying to heal them it was like you know you're you're the mouse going around pulling the thorn out of the heel of the lion kind of thing and i was exactly. I, I was instantly in on that i was just like oh i know i know exactly where where i'm in on this and like how the um uh you know the the curse that afflicts things manifests in different ways and and uh so I applied to the the grant with an idea that just like instantly, as soon as I read the setting, instantly popped in, in my head for um, this huge turtle-like uh, creature, a hairy turtle-like creature that mm -hmm. had essentially a volcano erupting out of its shell uh, that lived on top of this mountain. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, and I just thought, you know, what what a what a interesting idea for a game in contrast to, mm -hmm. to, you know, what I had been used to, to, to with D and D to go and you encounter something of this magnitude of this sort of like 
uh, in an intimidating kind of creature like this. And instead of approaching with sword drawn, like approach with a handout um, mm -hmm. and, and trying to um, empathize with. And I just, uh, I don't know. I was, I was hooked on that and mm -hmm. it, I got the grant to do it. And, and that was kind of my end to the, the co-op at that point. Fabulous. Well, I think um, the theme really resonated with a lot of people, like you say, did fantastically well on Kickstarter. And, you know, for me, when I was reading about it, it's something so different. Like, for example, last week we had Lancer, uh, people from Lancer on, which is great. I mean, that's a game about being big mix and smashing things. We love doing that. But I think mm -hmm. sometimes, like, it's so great to have variety in something different. And this game, yeah, there's not, am I correct? There's not like combat rules. There's not a system for like having weapons and fighting things. There's yeah, instead of, of instead of things like a health bar, um, the the process of curing the monster is um, partially a uh, a race against time mm -hmm. um, using um, using some clock mechanics, and then um, in the in the final moments when you you have the cure, it becomes this kind of tug of war where you're using the resources that you've um, gathered in your your investigation phases leading up to it. Um, and it's just it, it's just a matter of um, administering the cure, and it's still it's still a uh, a big um, yeah. So no, yeah. said I, I often say there is combat and violence, but it's in a pacifist approach to both of those things. So yeah, what I really love about Monster Care Squad is I've played in a lot of games where there's, and I, I love these players where they are agents of chaos. And they will maybe kill a key NPC to your campaign yeah. that you're in, like right out the door. And then the GM is like, well, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, and I appreciate that for, I, I like improv a lot. And I mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm, I go, I pour, I spend hours making a campaign. So when somebody foils my plans, I really appreciate that for making me stay true to the medium. Mm -hmm. um, and, but Monster Care Squad doesn't have those things built in in that same way, where if you are an agent of chaos, you have to work a little bit harder for it um, mm -hmm. because you can't just be like, I'm going to roll and I'm going to shoot this NPC because um, there isn't any move for that. There isn't a way to like engage directly in combat like that. Um, so in theory, you could, and people have made um, violent versions of this game, violent expansions. Mm -hmm. um, you could do these things and that's great, but because we didn't put it in there, it kind of mm -hmm. sets that tone a little bit more to be like, yes, technically you can roll in somewhere and you can just wipe someone out if you want, but we're trying to be part of these communities. We're trying to be a boon mm -hmm. to them. Um, and I really appreciate that. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a not, as a pacifist myself, it was uh, probably the main, and maybe even the reason why I got invited on the project. I'm not exactly sure, but maybe that was it. Maybe that was a selling point for it. Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about the system, uh, kind of a little bit. Should we? Should we start with kind of the three phases of play, or, or talk about characters? Where do you think would make sense to to talk about the game a bit more? Sure, oh. I'd, no, I'd no. be happy to talk a little about the phases of play. Yeah, sure, Gabriel, jump into it. the phases for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so Take my understanding, my there's three kind of three three key phases, which is diagnosis synthesis and symbiosis and as a dyslexic person reading and saying those you know, 10 out of 10 <laughs> but yeah gabriel could you talk us through those phases 
Sure. So um, in the uh, in the diagnosis phase, this is uh, very much the detective portion of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally, each adventure, you're heading to a new place. Um, you're discovering a, uh, a new village and you are trying to assess what's wrong with the monster. And mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of seeing the scene um, before you. And yeah, even though even though it's a pacifist game, it's not peaceful, right? These are mm-hmm. huge monsters and they have huge effects on the land around them. So you could come to a village and you could find that um, it's, it's it's been scoured with flames uh whole whole bits of, of of trees have been burned down and houses um you could find that there's there's just sort of viscous gigantic mm-hmm. um monster snot that is uh, uh planting people in place and they can't move and they don't know what to do um but you're you're trying to figure out from the local community ingratiate your, you're ingratiating yourself with them every time um asking them questions using your powers of observation and using the uh, the character you build with uh, skills that you get to determine um, yourself mm-hmm. uh, to figure out exactly what's uh, going wrong. And through this and the second phase of play, you are building up the resources that will eventually go into curing the monster in the final phase. Okay. Okay. So that's so, um, sorry. I'll let you. I'll, you had a flow of thought there. I'll let you carry on. <laughs> no, that's all right. Go on. No, I was just going to say, so that sounds like the diagnosis phase is going in, meeting the community, figuring out kind of what's going on. And this also sounds like it's as well as the game phases, this is the structure of like an adventure. So this is kind of almost like game master advice and things like that. Would that be right? Yeah, I would, I would say so. It's um, the, 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 Mechanics are, uh, are are slightly different, um, especially uh, between the first, second, and third phases. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think yeah, I I I really have no problem um, with people scavenging because I will certainly do it uh, from from other books where whether it's a uh, a system agnostic sort of adventure guide or not, I might. Um, you know, it, 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 it might be fun to take elements of this and try to run them um, mm-hmm. with a, uh, a Blades in the Dark hack or something like that. Um, so I don't take umbrage mm-hmm. with people stealing um, sort of the, the story formula and mm-hmm. uh, using another system for it. Yeah, but if we're playing this as intended, as in, uh, you know, playing Monster Care Squad, so we've gone through the diagnosis phase, we've gone into the town, we've been exploring using our, our various skills in the character, what happens in the synthesis phase that, that's different? So you now know what's wrong with the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, the the disease that's ravaged them called the false gold um, mm-hmm. has given them a terrible cold, and that's why um, they're, they're sneezing. Um, horrible snot or uh, or fire <laughs> over the village mm-hmm. and tearing everything down. Now you have to create a cure. And uh, the creative thing here is it doesn't just have to be investigating um, to find a um, a poultice or a uh, a potion or anything like that. Um, the cure could be a uh, a song. Um, mm-hmm. The cure could be. Um, uh, bringing bringing together uh, two monsters that have fallen out and caused the monster incredible heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can get poetic with it. I hope mm-hmm. I hope if if there's a game that can lend itself uh, to some poetry when it comes to uh, sicknesses and cures, it can be this one. Um, so if you're if you're thinking about um, Spirited Away, which is a big influence, there mm-hmm. are uh, there are uh, things that are, are bothering uh, the creatures that. 
our hero helps in spirited away that are mm -hmm. so much more um, than just being ill. There could be a curse because of a, uh, a grudge with another person. It could be a broken heart. Um, and uh, speaking of spirited away, that's kind of um, when I think about the symbiosis phase of play, the final phase, I think very much about um, that incredible scene in which uh, Chihiro is trying to uh, get the cure into Haku's mouth when he's in his full uh, draconic form. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, uh, or, or dragon form, draconic. This is not D&D. &D. This is not <laughs> not. D &D. It's not. Um, but um, Miyazaki even instructed his animators to go to a vet and watch how difficult it is to give a dog medicine yeah. as influence uh, for that animation. Um, and that's where the sort of push and pull of the, uh, the final phase of play comes in. It's about um, pressing an advantage or being um, pushed back into a retreat because uh, these animals are very large and powerful, but they're not they're not actively trying to uh, to murder our heroes. They just um, are are going through the incredible throes of this sickness and mm -hmm. are um, indefatigable in their desire uh, not to be touched, as as all of us mm -hmm. have probably felt from time to time. Yeah, getting sick. Um, so you've been building up through these first few play phases of play, ideally. Um, this reservoir of uh, resources that you can then use uh, rolling to uh, press your advantage um, against the monster. And once you're once you're in position, um, just like Chihiro trying to jam her hand into that dragon's mouth, you can administer the cure. Mm -hmm. I love the metaphor you said about being at the vets because I think we we've all like maybe ha taken a cat to the vets or something and and even though you're trying to help the cat the cat is doesn't want to be here doesn't want to be part of this and, and we'll let you know about it yeah <laughs> and we'll let you know we'll let you know they're just pleased so I think that's a great metaphor for it um talking about some of the um in the game we've got mechanically like clocks moves and control tracks could you talk a little bit about about how how those fit in? So so what that would look like when we're playing? Sure. Um, so the moves can be used for the final phase of play, but um, they're mainly going to be used uh, for the first two to determine your roles. Mm -hmm. um, you have uh, move sets that are specific to each phase. Um, so during uh, during diagnosis phase, you can pull a thread. So that's a uh, proper detective work where you ask around for information um, and uh, you you roll uh, using your skills and then um, a little bit like um, powered by the apocalypse, um, you you pick a result uh, from that mm. move uh, based on the roll. And um, each of those rolls is going to move a clock forward. Mm -hmm. um, for the uh, for the diagnosis phase, and when that's when mm -hmm. when the clock is complete, you move to synthesis. Fantastic! That that all makes sense. It sounds it sounds like there's not it's there's not so much going on that it's not too scary for new kind of players. I don't know, Jam. Would you agree? This is a good game to sit and play with people that are kind of new to role playing games. Was that JN or Jan? Oh, I said either. <laughs> I said JN, but either okay. either one of you can answer. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's great to hop in with because I I um, that that's sort of like uh, the way things build into each other. Um, it, it's all very just like right there on the page, not like multiple indexes you're going to have to flip through to to get to like um, 
things are, uh, you can come up with solutions in a nonlinear way, but the mechanical, the mechanics of how you play the game have a have a linear framework that are easy to follow and easy to find in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's great for introducing new players too. Fantastic. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the world and the setting. I do want to talk a lot about the monsters because this is what this game is about. I think this is what drew people in. They're like, yeah, I want to, Jan, like you were saying, I want to go pet some cool monsters and things. So Jan, could you talk us through the different monsters and sort of creatures we're going to encounter sure. in the game, what they're like? Um, like there's there's a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. We all have our favorites. Um, I I made one. I know Gabe made three. Mm-hmm. Think? Yep. Um, yeah, um, but I think everyone can agree. Capernai is the favorite. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Tell me, tell me um, about him. Capernai is very cool. Um, I don't. I, I'm not even sure why everyone loves Capernai, but they seem to be the one that I see on Twitter all the time. Um, th- I don't know if you happen to have a, an image of them handy, um, but they're extremely cute. They're kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I think of them kind of, yeah, yeah, there you go. There, there's the one. <laughs> um, it's kind of, for me, it, Capernai kind of has, even though this is not canonical in any way, you won't see this in the book, kind of gives me like your vibes, just the way they physically look. They're just kind of slow lumbering around. And I don't know, personally, I think everybody loves that. Like everyone loves a cow, you know? You see a dopey <laughs> cow and they're just like, Yo, what's up? I'm just a cow. I'm just chilling. I'm not aggressive. It's cool. And that's kind of Capernai to me. I think that's why everybody loves Capernai. They're almost mm-hmm. like the himbo of the of the universe, even though I don't uh, presume to guess their gender. Um, it's kind of the energy they carry. But all, the, all the monsters are really different from each other. I think that's my favorite part about the monsters. And mm-hmm. they're very, like, uh, not to, like, toot our horn too much, but they're quite original. Mm-hmm as far as how they interact with the world. Like, I, I don't know if you've read them all, but there's one called Hato. I couldn't even begin to explain what Hato is. <laughs> because Does it involve hats? Uh, no, no, no okay. hats whatsoever. <laughs> but um, there, yeah, there's every other game I've played for the most part, they have monsters and you're like, it's kind of like this from this game. Or it's kind of mm. like this from this movie. But mm. Hato is just like, I don't even know. It's a kind of... Uh, maybe some ribbons that it kind of looks like ribbons in the air sort of with a big eye and a a bulb kind of thing and yeah i don't know i don't even know how leafy managed to draw this thing based on (laughs) nem's description but uh it happened (laughs) fantastic so weird and wonderful creatures coming in there does anyone else have any favorites they kind of want to shout out whilst we're here talking about the monsters oh gabriel you're muted so i'll unmute you oh (laughs) Think you need to unmute yourself, Gabriel, because we do want to hear what you're saying. <laughs> Just in the bottom. There we go. I wanted to say about Hado, if anyone ever wanted to be friends with the monster from uh, Nope, uh, you can do that. It's um, <laughs> oh. a little bit what, what Hado reminds me of. Um, and then um, I wrote I wrote a uh, I wrote a monster um, called Cola Cola, whose um, identity is up to some debate. Um, okay. suddenly, uh, the rats of, uh, one of Aldemora's largest cities, uh, Tenaris Mall are, um, united, 
under a, uh, a, a sort of revolutionary leader, but no one knows which rat uh, that is specifically. Uh, but uh, suddenly the rats are able um, to organize as a uh, 1.5 million rat uh, revolutionary force uh, right. demanding meat and cheese of the city, demanding open <laughs> windows. Um, and um, is Cola Cola one of them? Is Cola Cola all of them? Um, is Cola Cola a, a specific rat person in particular or just an idea? Um, you don't get to know that, but um, from now on, uh, there are regularly posted letters uh, from the conglomerate of the 1.5 million rats uh, demanding um, access to uh, meats and cheeses, open windows, um, the name and address of the um, health inspector, uh, these sorts of things. <laughs> and if those needs aren't met, well, that's 1.5 million rats. What can you do? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I would do about that. I'm anxious whenever, every time I go to New York because of that issue, because I know they're there. Just, I hope they never get organized in that in that way that you just mentioned okay right. if they unified new york is in big trouble that mm -hmm. rat czar wouldn't know what hit her exactly. if the rats unified in new york colo colo so, is my favorite monster yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing so we have some amazing monsters uh, in the world that, that we've talked through and there, there's so many to explore but we haven't yet talked about um the what who the players will be playing so who these uh, monster care specialists are. So, um, JN, could you give us an overview of the characters people play in these games? I think I might bounce this one over to Jan, if you don't. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so the the character creation process in this is, I think, uh, quite simple. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a little post-it note of the, the four things here you basically do. So you've mm -hmm. got four trainings. Um, mm -hmm. I've made myself a little sample character here. Oh, um, nice. my trainings are, and so the, I love the way our characters are built. They're super cool. They're, um, mm -hmm. it completely ditches the idea of like a class based system. Instead, mm -hmm. you just have a list of general moves and then your background and your specialties and your, basically your cool equipment that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, and we have five stats, uh, I'll just, they're force, fine, grit, acuity, and allure, um, and those tie in to your trainings and your background. So as an example, uh, I took four trainings. I built mm -hmm. myself. I took fine artist. I attached that to the stat fine. Mm -hmm. um, then I took musician and I attached that to grit. And then gardening, attached that to acuity. And then poet, and I attached that to allure. And so what these do is these inform your character in the kinds of things you might be doing in your, you know, in the world that you can do easily. Um, they don't have to be like this. They can be, you know, you can be a, a climber or a wrestler or anything you want. We don't prescribe anything. These mm -hmm. you can come up with your own. There are some examples in the book, but you can just put whatever you want, basically. Um, and these tie into your background is similar. You can um, think of trainings and backgrounds kind of mm -hmm. Not exactly the same, but uh, they can inform each other. Okay. Um, and then they kind of feed into your, well, they don't have to, but they can feed into your special equipment or your special item. Um, this is something that only you have. It's a really, I, for me, I, I uh, wrote hand drum, and mm -hmm. it's what my character would use to you know, do their poetry along to, let's say. Um, and then you've got a couple of moves. 
and then specialties. Uh, your specialties are kind of the what makes you stand out. So I put mm -hmm. booming voice and internal clock. So for me, okay. what that means in the game mechanically is booming voice is let's say we're in a foggy area, I may be able to lead my crew to safety using my loud voice, mm -hmm. making it easy for them to follow through the, the obscured sure. visage. Um, and then internal clock, I always know what time of day it is because it doesn't matter what time it is, I can keep track of the time. Um, so these are little things that you can see how those mm -hmm. could be made useful in a game, but they're not generally going to be, you're not going to have a lot of people being like, no, I wanted a loud voice. <laughs> it's going to be easy mm -hmm. to differentiate and let everybody have a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got moves. So we mm -hmm. talked a little bit about the moves and the phases of play. Mm -hmm. Those are specific to those phases. But there's also a list of moves that is just for use any time in the game. Um, mm -hmm. And you take two of these right at the start. And these kind of give you a little flavor. I took uh, Companion Rat, which gives me a little rat friend <laughs> that's basically always hanging around with me and mm -hmm. can find me. I uh, just like rats and things like that. So Just one, um, not 1.5 million, sure. No, not, not, not yet. <laughs> Working up to that. Um, okay. <laughs> and then I took Crikey. Uh, which is a little ode to uh, Steve Irwin, uh, bless his soul. Um, mm -hmm. And it basically just means you're, you've always been fascinated by monsters. And it mm -hmm. gives you like a little bit of, uh, it, it's very similar to what it would be like in real life. If you've mm -hmm. ever known somebody that just loves animals, they're mm -hmm. almost always really good with animals. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what those kinds of moves do. They give you a little bit, a little bit, I'm saying, mechanical mm -hmm. tie into the world. Um, yeah. But... I wanted to just say real quick, what I feel like for me is really special about Monster Care Squad is we mentioned it several times in the book. All of these things are kind of just suggestions for you. And if mm -hmm. you don't like them, then just do whatever you want. Um, these are This is like a framework. And in fact, we say like, here's what we think the false gold is. What do you think it is? Like it's mm -hmm. up to you to really feel, it's almost like a Mad Lib sort of that yeah. isn't advertised that way. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think along with that sort of like being able to make your own thing, um, the the book lays out suggestions for like um, good and bad examples of what kind of specialties you might have, or or mm -hmm. like how you can build a move um, uh, so that if you don't find something to pick out that inspires you or, or mm -hmm. you feel like is a fit, um, you're not just left, you know. <laughs> with a blank page and no guidance on how to make something up. Sure. Um, there's, there's, there's that framework there that helps you come up with those mm -hmm. things. Fantastic. And um, can we talk a little bit about monster gifts as well? Cause I love how mechanically in the game, obviously in the story, this would happen, but also mechanically the way players interact with monsters will have an impact on their characters from a story and in a mechanical way. So uh, share, hmm. tell us about monster gifts. Monster gifts are really cool. They actually tie into the moves. Um, mm -hmm. Every move in the game uh, has a enhanced version to it. Uh, I'll just use the first one on the list as a great example. Um, it mm -hmm. seems to be uh, a world favorite skill. Uh, I mm -hmm. think because of the utility, it's called Pack Rat. Um, basically, you take the skill and you just always have that thing that you need in your pack mm -hmm. when it comes up. Um, and then you can get that upgraded with a monster gift, and then it turns to a special gift. Mm -hmm. And then it's something special from that monster you cured, and whenever you need it, you have it. 
Um, now this is still going back to what I said earlier about how you can feel free to make the world yours. That gift isn't named. We're not saying the special gift was the horn of something or other. So sure. you get to pick that. You get, you mm -hmm. know, that's that's your power um, in the game, and that's kind of nice. every every monster gift does that. And a lot of them also have um, really cool extra features, like they'll give you, you know, physical characteristics. I had uh, we did an expansion called uh, Behind the Waterfall, mm -hmm. and I created a monster in there who has basically a, a crown that kind of of light over their head. And when you get a monster gift from them, you get that same light crown, essentially. So all kinds of that very, very anime friendly stuff. You know, everybody wants to have those mm -hmm. cute little features on themselves. Yeah. You know, I would like some little bat ears on my ankles for some bat wings on my ankles for some reason. You sure. can get that in this game because you save a bat creature of some kind, they might give you that. <laughs> Nice. I love that. I thought that was a really nice, fun element of the, the game as well. And if you're playing a campaign, like your character slowly over time will have all these elements of their journey and their story on them. So I, yeah. I thought that was really nice. I wanted to, to bring that out. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we are getting closer to the kind of the top of the hour. Um, so drawing near the end. So if you are watching live and you have any questions, now is the time to uh, kind of bring them in. Uh, but do we have any kind of elements about the game that you want to you want to talk about or any questions i haven't haven't asked you and things you wanted to shout about the game now would be the time hmm. i um so i just picked up just a car by nevin holmes mm -hmm. who you had earlier um to talk about the game you're in space and everything's fucked oh yeah um and um i am i am so excited to jump into this one because it's very much about the um romanticized versions of um the courtroom experience sort of like mm -hmm. a classic courtroom drama or like phoenix right um <laughs> i uh, i can't wait to dig into this okay so that's that's Great your job, that's your kind of brag for a tgrpg you're loving right now that you want to shout out jessica <laughs> amazing because we obviously talked a lot about um monster care squad um if you are watching and you are interested in monster care squad and you do want to pick up a copy uh there are links in the show notes and up on the screen now because the best way to support indie tabletop rpg creators is to buy their stuff so if, if you've been interested in inspired by this conversation please do go and pick that up there and support it um but yes talking about other ttrpgs that were they were liking and enjoying at the moment uh jan do you have a recommendation for a ttrpg that is not monster care squad and is not yeah. D &D? <laughs> um actually i'm gonna i'm gonna suggest the one that really got me into making my own games releasing them under my own name without a team okay. or anything like that um mm -hmm. it's called plot armor uh by ryan mm. d black Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a solo game. It's a journaling game, um, and it's about basically how anime protagonists have plot armor. You have you know up until your predetermined yeah. death, you have complete immunity to anything that could happen. Even if you do die, you're coming back somehow. So sure. Um, and that that game just really made me realize there is a market for niche games beyond. Mm -hmm. what the industry kind of calls a niche game. The, the mainstream yeah. industry calls a niche game like Dungeons and Dragons, where everybody <laughs> is a goblin only. Goblins only, D&D. Oh, that's wacky. not really niche. You know, that's just like, that's just, it's still exactly D&D. It's just now everybody's goblins. That's not niche mm -hmm. at all. Um, mm -hmm. And then, but a game where you just, you're writing 
nobody else is playing. Like it's just, yeah, I don't know. It really opened my eyes to how ideas can really be made into something fun that you you wouldn't consider before. <laughs> Fantastic. That's, uh, so that, kinda, that's my yeah. Michael. Plot armor, that one. Okay, I'll check yeah, that out. I've just started exploring uh, solo TTRPGs, so this is my my new kind of thing. So I am digging into a lot of those, which is really, really great. So thank you for that. Um, JN, do you have any TTRPGs you want to give a shout out to? Sure. So I also happen to uh, be thinking of a, a solo game. Uh, Perfect. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been really enjoying uh, Chalice from Monkey's Paw mm -hmm. Games. Um, in newer rows, uh, it's a uh, just uh, uh, from an aesthetic point of view a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a uh, uh, it's a, yeah it's a solo journaling game where you use a deck of tarot cards as your sort of mechanic through the game to uh, uh, go on an Arthurian journey as a knight. Um, mm -hmm. And it really kind of scratched my itch for coming up with. Uh, uh, living in a story like the Green Knight after I had uh, watched that movie, uh, and uh, have some fun in that kind of kind of world. So uh, that's I've I've enjoyed that a lot. I love the sound of it. I've actually heard of that and heard really good things. So you're the second person yeah. that's recommended that to me now. So I think nice. it's a sign that I need to go pick it up. Um, <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for those three great recommendations. Um, and also thank you so much for giving up your time to come and uh, talk to me about your game, uh, Monster Care Squad. Uh, such a fantastic looking game like i said before um if you're at all interested please do go pick it up and then check it out so it's available uh now so you can go get yourself a copy there um i think that brings us to the end of our time this week so thank you again all three of you for coming on uh, to talk and, and share this game with us and thank you to everyone that came along to to listen uh, and uh, and get involved in the chat as well um if uh, you are free next monday we have another great guest coming on we're talking about raccoon sky pirates so another gear shift there so you can make sure you can come back there um but but yeah i think that's all we have for this week that we'll uh, sign off and say goodbye thank you very much folks thank you Bye. so much for Thanks. having us of course anytime right, welcome you. back anytime to talk about any of your other games as well because obviously there's more exciting stuff coming along too all yeah, right wonderful thanks for very sure. much bye everybody bye, bye.